Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show of a very special guest. He comes to us from the UK. His full name is David A. Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. He has a PhD. And I came across an article that he wrote. I was just kind of surfing through Twitter. And I followed up on the link on the article. I found it was fascinating. It, it was a aggregation or a compilation of a lot of research that I had been doing on kind of alternate sites like BitChute and other researchers, but he did an excellent job of putting a lot of that together and putting it down on paper. The title of the article is, What is in the so-called COVID-19, quote, vaccines, unquote? Part one, evidence of a global crime against humanity. It's very well researched. Now, some of the names that I've been researching are in that, and some people I wasn't familiar with are in this document, but I reached out to him and I'm delighted that he agreed to the interview. His bio is he has doctorates in German studies and international relations. He lectures in areas including security studies, international relations theory, foreign policy analysis, globalization, and US exceptionalism. His research focuses on psychological warfare, quote, 9-11, unquote, quote, COVID-19, unquote, the deep state, intelligence crime, technocracy, resurgent totalitarianism, and the class relations between psychological operations. Selections of his work can be found on academia.edu. He's also an associate researcher with the working group on propaganda in the 9-11 global, quote, war on terror, unquote. And again, the title of this, uh, what we're the so-called COVID-19 vaccines, part one, evidence of a global crime against humanity, but one of his other, some of his other publications this year are one is very interesting. I haven't read it. Wall Street and the Nazis and the crimes of the deep state. That's in a great website called Propaganda in Focus. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So you can just click through on that. And another one is on the same subject, COVID-19, quote, vaccines, unquote, for children in the UK, a tale of establishment corruption. But uh, it's great to have him. So welcome to the show, David A. Hughes. Thank you very much, William. It's a pleasure to be with you. Excellent. So for people who may not have heard your name, I went through kind of your background. Can you kind of talk about your interest? I know my audience is very interested in a lot of the subjects you are interested. Maybe you can talk about your research and kind of what led up to this particular article you wrote, what is in the so-called COVID-19 vaccines. Okay, so when all of this began back in March 2020, one of the first things that struck me was how fast the Coronavirus Act was passed in the UK. Um, it was almost as though it was ready and waiting and just needing uh, the excuse to, to, to roll it out. And this reminded me very much of the USA Patriot Act after 9-11. And I saw something very similar going on. And it seemed to me that this was part of a, a psychological operation to run through quite draconian legislation on the basis of emergency measures and instilling fear and panic into the public. So straight away, I was wise to the fact that this is about more than um, just a virus uh, or a, a pandemic. There's, there's uh, additional angles to this. And of course, those um, additional angles became ever more clear over time with proclamations of, of, of the Great Reset and so on. Uh, I was very disturbed when Bill Gates came out as early as April 2020 and talked about uh, the so-called need to uh, vaccinate the entire global population, which I interpreted to be a declaration of 
uh, an assault against bodily autonomy. And as 2020 progressed, there were very serious questions to be asked about these new products. Um, by definition, there could be no long-term safety data. Uh, the idea of condensing clinical trials from a typical kind of five to 10 year period down to the space of just nine months in the end was deeply suspicious. Uh, technically, uh, they were they were unlicensed, they were experimental. All of this was evidenced was, was evident even before the vaccines were rolled out. So I was very suspicious of the whole agenda. And then from about July 2021, evidence started to come in from all corners of the globe regarding what was actually in these uh, shots based on microscopic and spectroscopic analysis. Now, that evidence was very disjointed. Um, it was very variable in terms of the methodological rigor that had been applied by the analysts. But nevertheless, I was very interested in trying to get to the bottom of, of what is actually in these injections that they want everyone to take. And again, there are parallels here with 9-11. With if you take the time to do the forensic investigation of the events of 9-11, you find that there's an awful lot uh, off about it. And similarly, uh, with these so-called vaccines, I mean, they don't even meet the traditional definition of a vaccine. But when you see uh, some of the images that the microscopists from across the world have produced, it becomes even more clear that these are not vaccines in the conventional sense. So what I tried to do in the article was to bring together as many of these studies as I could find and put into a single document which would be easily accessible for members of the public, uh, all of the currently existing evidence as it was uh, as of 3rd of September 2022. And one of the things that stands out is that even though there are 26 different studies discussed in my paper, they converge on remarkably similar findings. And to cut a long story short, um, there is abundant evidence that these uh, injections contain a whole host of undisclosed ingredients. Um, some of them very easy to detect even with a basic optical microscope. There's no way that the regulators uh, should have missed all of this. So clearly there's something very nefarious taking place. Clearly there has been no informed consent because the public was not told about any of this. And at this stage, over 5.4 billion people have taken one or more of these injections. So uh, this seems to me to be a clear violation of the Nuremberg Code in terms of informed consent. And numerically, it seems to be the biggest crime in history. It's really incredible. And they're finding a variety of different things within the, it's not just one type of uh, item within these shots. It's a variety of different things. You talk about fibrous structures, tube-like structures, crystalline formations, micro bubbles. Can you talk about what these researchers have found? And they're from all over the world, right? Different mm. jurisdictions, different countries. This is right. Well, perhaps the, the, the two most common findings seem to be um, peculiar tube-like structures, um, possibly fibrous, kind of worm-like. It's, it's hard to know what they are, but they appear to be translucent tubes of some kind uh, that appear 
both in the vials themselves, the contents of the vials, and also in the blood work of uh, vaccinated patients. Uh, they have a very often a, a characteristic kink or, or twist in them, and it has been suggested by Pablo Campra in Spain that they look uh, very much like uh, graphene oxide structures. Now, I'm not qualified to say whether or not they definitely are graphene oxide, but there's been a lot of talk about the presence of graphene oxide and certainly some of the spectroscopic analysis, that's analysis that looks to identify the chemical composition uh, of what is being examined under the microscope. Some of that analysis has, in separate studies, revealed large spikes of carbon and oxygen, which again would be consistent with the presence of graphene oxide. Um, and the other thing I, I, I point out as a headline is that the blood work itself looks to be severely distressed. So instead of there being normal, healthy looking blood cells in, in the vaccinated blood, um, very often the, the red blood cells are in what's called rouleau effect. And I believe that is French for stack, stacked coin to, to give a visual analogy. So it almost looks like a stack of pancakes. Yeah, exactly. So very different from the kind of spherical, almost free floating looking healthy red blood cells. They kind of clump together uh, in, in, instead in Rouleau effect. Now, Rouleau is a very, it's typically associated with very serious medical conditions. So it's quite distressing to see this in study after study. Uh, one particular study that was done by doctors in Italy examined the blood of 1006 vaccinated patients and they found this combination of ruled blood and foreign artifacts present in the blood in 94% of those cases so if that's true if that can be corroborated that's that's highly disturbing but the 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 tube like structures are they're, they're, pro they're probably the most common of anything we see, but there are all kinds of things that do appear. So, uh, for example, there appear to be um, what have been called micro bubbles, and it's not clear at this stage what these are, but at least three of the 26 studies that I look at identify them. Some people have claimed that they're air bubbles. I don't think they are when you, when you uh, contrast them to what air bubbles look like underneath the microscope. Uh, some people have suggested that they are the result of uh, poor quality control uh, procedures. Uh, possibly uh, at this stage, we just need to, to stick a pin in it because we don't really know. Um, there is evidence of, it's hard to describe, you'd have to actually see the images uh, in the paper, um, but possible synthetic biology. Um, there's some quite frightening looking structures in there that almost seem to resemble uh, some kind of synthetic creatures. Um, parasites have been discovered in the vaccine. Uh, again, this could just be the result of, of poor uh, quality control. Um, but perhaps most disturbingly, there appears to be evidence of possible nanotechnology. Um, so, for example, um, a group of Australian scientists uh, detected straight edged geometric structures, uh, which clearly shouldn't be there. They're clearly not natural or organic. They're clearly not salt crystals or cholesterol crystals. They come in quite peculiar shapes 
and some of them light up in response to a cell phone uh, being uh, sending out a signal nearby. Uh, some of them are motile, which is to say they move apparently independently across the surface of the screen. And there are some other quite extraordinary studies, the most extraordinary having been conducted by a group called Life in the Blood in New Zealand, uh, using 4,000 times magnification, which is the highest of any study in the paper. And it's, I mean, the, the images produced, again, I, I implore your, your listeners to actually look at this in the paper, um, but some of it looks like it's almost from outer space with um, almost like kind of space stations or antennae or motherboards, or it's, it's hard to describe, uh, floating around. But this is clearly not what you would expect to see in, in a vaccine. And as I say, the studies do corroborate one another. So that New Zealand study produces images uh, which are not dissimilar from some of the studies that have come out in Spain. And at this stage, we really need to, to be asking serious questions about what this stuff is, uh, what it's doing there, uh, how come it appears to be present in, in, in such high volumes, and why does it seem to be having the very negative effects uh, on the blood uh, that we are witnessing? Right. I mean, it really is incredible. And you, in people's mind's eye, some of these things are nanoparticles. They're super small, much smaller than even a virus could be seen, right? So it's in a, a, a higher, you need a higher grade microscope to actually detect this, is my understanding. And it is interesting because here in the States, we had this guy, Charles Lieber, who was definitely getting paid by the Chinese working on this same type of stuff. Like, just for the listener to understand, he was working on things so small that he could get into one cell and put in this tiny nanoparticle to get readings of what was happening in the cell. So they're working at just a tiny one cell level to get information. I mean, it really is remarkable, but he is a convicted felon now. He got caught. Yeah. So just to, to follow up on, on those points, um, yeah, some of some of the structures are at the nano level, but others are, are, are at the micro level, um, which is a thousand times bigger and, and clearly shouldn't shouldn't be there. Um, so this is one of the, the the first flags that the regulators should have picked up. Um, for example, there's a German engineer called Holger Reisner, and last December on live television he opened, uh, I think it was a Pfizer vial, looked at it under the microscope live, and almost immediately. Um, particles which were much too big to have uh, passed quality control processes were evident. So, so some of the particles are, are much larger. But to come back to the nano uh, realm, Charles Lieber is, is very interesting in terms of um, the context behind some of this. So as far back as 2001, over two decades ago, uh, Lieber had pioneered um, something which is akin to uh, a self-assembling computer uh, when poured out of a flask of uh, liquid. So um, I'll just get the quote up here. Uh, quote, a computer suspended in a flask of liquid which assembles itself when the liquid is poured onto a desktop. So that's quite incredible. So that's that was two decades ago. They were talking about self-assembling computers in liquid formats. Then in 2011, uh, Lieber uh, with his colleagues, created uh, what are called um, uh, nanowires uh, that created transistors so small that they could, and again, I quote, 
enter and probe cells without disrupting the intracellular machinery, enabling two-way communication with individual cells. So what this is saying is that back in 2011, there was technology in place which was um, able to connect at the nano level with the body and also communicate um, externally uh, with a network. And this seems to be the, the, the premise on which all of this is, is based. And then just finally on Lieber, uh, in 2019, um, he and his colleagues produced uh, a one centimeter squared net comprised of super fine, and again I quote, nanowire field effect transistors as general biological nanosensors, which could be injected via a syringe directly into brain tissue where it can seamlessly integrate with neural tissue and remain intact for at least a year. So what this is saying is that in 2019, Lieber had created a, a, a neural net essentially, which could be injected directly into the brains of rats via a syringe. So when you understand that this is the kind of research that has been taking place for 20 years, it's not actually a, a huge leap of imagination to think that there is some kind of syringe injectable technology that could potentially insert some of this kind of technology into humans. And we already know that some of whatever's in there is passing the blood brain barrier. So I think when we put together the empirical evidence from the microscopists with the historical and circumstantial evidence uh, around this kind of research, around the large amounts of funding which have gone into to, to graphene oxide projects uh, over the last 10 years, then we have to take quite seriously uh, the fact that there could be agendas at play here which are beyond sinister. Yeah, demonic, like really. Now, I mean, you say 70% of the global population has been hit with these things, and we don't even know. The people, I've heard people describe this as an experiment within, ex within an experiment, at least to the public. So these private people may know that this is not an experiment. They know what they're putting in. They're telling you that it's just a saline with a broken virus, but people are fine. There's clear evidence of the shots of different lethality. There's clearly different effects, um, different illnesses. And, and some of this stuff is associated with AIDS too. Like it attacked your T cells, which is very questionable when you talk about Fauci's history. Um, and the still illnesses are still coming, but yeah, Libra is a really an important part. We have to think about technology that's one or two you know, uh, light years ahead of what we're dealing with now, too. So Lieber is very important. And he was getting, I think, $50,000 a month from yeah. the Chinese as for something. He didn't disclose that. And that's what got him in trouble. And yeah, it's, it, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Again, the ties with China, because Lieber appears to have been working both for the US and for China. We know the, the links with, for example, Fauci and Dazak uh, to the Wuhan lab. And it's also the case longer term that there have been links going back decades um, in terms of technocracy and China acting essentially as the, as the incubation ground uh, for what Ian Davis calls the world's first technate. And technocracy now seems to be the model that they want to roll out across the West. So above the level of traditional geopolitical tensions and rivalries, there is also all of this going on at a global level, um, which could, it looks as though it's intended to find a way of technocratically enslaving the human race. It is incredible.
It's really incredible. And to think that the U.S. got all of its stuff, it's manufactured in China. Uh, this new company that did it, BioNTech, is like five years old. It's a vaporware company. Like, there's no real long-term history. And that this is, I mean, you just get more and more freaked out when you look at the background of this stuff. And the regulators, they could be inserting nanotechnology into these vials, and the regulators aren't even looking for it. But the, these independent guys are definitely taking a look at that. It's really remarkable. Yeah, and I, I think the regulators must be complicit in this. Um, and, I mean, suggestions are, are coming out now uh was it karen kingston saying this that the or sasha latipova perhaps that the the regulators aren't really regulators they're not performing the function of a regulator and i mean you mentioned uh BioNTech, but uh, moderna as well if you, if you look at moderna um it's only ever had one product on the market um it has a history of making huge losses um but it has very close ties to DARPA. Um, so the history of that company is bound up with military research. And again, this should alert us to the possibility that there are military agendas camouflaged as biological or epidemiological agendas. So once we start stripping away the surface layer of what we have been propagandized to believe it could be that something altogether different is taking place here no doubt and latipova you mentioned her name she's done research into the dod and a lot of the stuff that this the rollout of the vaccine or the shots in the u.s is managed by the department of defense it should scare the living daylights out of people no wonder that i think fauci was just saying there's only like 15 percent uptake in the state People have gotten the information that something hyper sketchy is going on. And Latipova's looked through the documents, and I think she has a history in pharma. So she kind of is like Kingston. She's a kind of a whistleblower in a sense. But uh, yeah, it's been there's a guy named Callahan who I've been researching who was in uh, back in, in China at this event prior. And he's got DARPA contacts all the way through Wuhan. So there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been uncovered and hasn't been really fully exposed. People are working on it, but uh, your paper does a great job in aggregating all that information so people can kind of take the next steps to kind of figure out really what's going on. And it's very interesting too, because the Chinese did not, they had a, vaccine, a shot, but they did not use the MNRA technology. Mm. So the, the Europe and the US got some kind of new thing. And there's their studies where they know the lipid nanoparticles were dangerous in 2015, so they should never put this in there. There are very easily accessible studies about that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Moderna, just curious. one more thing. Just one, Moderna is modern RNA, right? So like the company was put together for this RNA stuff, but yeah. Absolutely, please. yeah. Well, one thing that quite interests me is the way this was first presented to us was well, we're going to have to try a whole range of different revolutionary vaccines to try and come up with the answer to, to COVID. And fairly quickly, it started to, to narrow down primarily to the, to the mRNA types. Of course, there are other types. Um, in the UK, we had Oxford AstraZeneca, uh, which was a, a different type of, of so-called vaccine. But that seems to have just disappeared. And actually, when you look at these statistics, from the US, from the EU, UK, and other places in the world, a very high proportion now 
of the vaccines are are mRNA. Not to say they all are, but a very high proportion are. So again, I'm I'm left wondering if there was if it was always the plan that this particular type of uh, so-called vaccine was the preferred option. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think that they structured everything in the states that there weren't any alternate therapies for going straight to the shots for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's kind of like the Holocaust model where you can kill people and make money off it at the same time. So that all those people who died, they took their property, gold, jewelry, everything. Um, so, you know, they can now that's just huge funds. And there's been an over, I mean, at least in the U.S. and Europe, there's been an over purchase of these shots that aren't being uh, taken. So there's a, that's a whole other scandal in itself. Like there's scandal on scandal on scandal on scandal on top of this political. And you talk about the political impl implications in your paper, right? That's right. And not just this paper, but also uh, the, the Wall Street paper, Wall Street, the Nazis and the crimes of the deep state. Um, just because you mentioned the Holocaust there, one, one of the things that I, the, the argument that I essentially make in that paper is that we are now witnessing an unexpected resurgence of um, social and political phenomena which bear a very uncomfortable resemblance to Nazi Germany. And what I do in the paper is to trace the continuities from Nazi Germany all the way through to the present, highlighting the role of Wall Street and the CIA in particular uh, in, for instance, funding the rise of Hitler, um, the, the, the uh, rebuilding of, of Germany. Um, Germany would not have been able to fight World War II were it not for Wall Street. And then after the defeat of Nazi Germany, as is well known, taking on uh, scientists through, through, for instance, Operation Paperclip, uh, but not just scientists, um, a whole range of uh, influential Nazis who committed atrocious acts and then embedding some of that, in inverted commas, expertise into then elements of US foreign policy, for instance, the, the kind of death squads and torture that went on in, in Latin America. And you can trace it all the way through to the present. So the broader context that I'm seeking to paint here is that there are strong similarities between what's happening today and what happened in the wake of the Wall Street crash in 1929 in terms of a major crisis of capitalism and the recourse by the Atlantic ruling class uh, to preferred forms of totalitarianism. So I think that there is a deliberate attempt underway now to dismantle uh, democracy and the rule of law and to replace it with uh, a global uh, novel form of, of totalitarianism, uh, which um, with Patrick Wood, I would I would call technocracy. Fascinating. You see that here in the States, they've stolen two elections here. So people can, in my opinion, they cannot take this whole issue with the shots independent of other political and geopolitical events, very important events, Brazil as well, uh, Canada. Some of these guys, I've talked to people in Canada, they, Trudeau was installed. They don't think he, he was installed through technocratic means, through these voting machines, uh, algorithms, stuff like that. So people should be very concerned. Patrick Wood, and he, Patrick 
Good was involved in Reiner Fulmix, Nuremberg one, whatever he called that in, in Germany, where, where they were aggregating information, much like you trying to get a grip on all this stuff. But um, it is interesting. These guys go back like the technocratic eras, the big new Brzezinski with Kissinger. Kissinger's acolyte is uh, Schwab. So you're right. I mean, there's definitely that Atlantic Brahmin power kind of mentality, I think, behind a lot of the stuff, the eugenics. Yeah. And what what your listeners really, I would encourage them to to pay attention to is just the sheer variety of interlocking agendas, which are now all being enacted simultaneously. So it's not just about the injections. Um, there's also the green agenda, of course, uh, which in and of itself pushes towards uh, technocracy. There are the, um, the, the, the financial agendas regarding central bank uh, digital currencies. Uh, there are, as I say, the assault on uh, democracy, which is taking place. And, you know, when Klaus Schwab says that he has penetrated the cabinets, uh, his words, not mine, uh, with his young global leaders. I mean, we see this very, very obviously uh, in in action and it does explain a lot and it's become very clear since 2020 that governments across the world no longer serve the people uh, they serve higher masters uh, rooted i think primarily in the realm of, of international finance but that's become in my opinion indisputable so we're now living in an age where there is nothing left but the husk of democracy they'll, they'll keep the pretense up for as long as possible that liberal democracy still exists in in any meaningful sense but clearly it doesn't um and we're being attacked really from all angles and we've just lived through a period of some of the most fierce psychological warfare in history um in terms of trying to coerce and intimidate bribe and otherwise persuade people to to take these injections um, we now seem to be entering into a period of, of economic warfare based on uh, fierce levels of inflation. Uh, the shots themselves are demonstrably harmful and are resulting in very large numbers uh, of serious um, disabilities and deaths. So I think that we are heading into a potentially revolutionary period here because what happens is when you try and make the transition from one paradigm of rule to another, it creates great instability uh, in which great changes are possible in, in different directions. Now, the technocrats have played their hands. They've made it quite clear what they want, and they want this kind of hellish dystopian nightmare in which they have direct control over our, our money, uh, potentially even over our bodies. Um, if, if the technology in these shots is uh, what I think it might be. Uh, so that's one option. Um, I think the 8 billion people who stand to be enslaved by this might well have different ideas. Uh, but what does seem very clear to me is that they have, they are intentionally um, dismantling the post-1945 liberal international order, so-called. Um, they are intentionally... Uh, seeking to replace the collapsing fiat currency system, and they are uh, intentionally seeking to 
move forwards to a paradigm that will replace liberal democracy. So in other words, we are living through a period of world historical transformation. And just because it looks very dark uh, in some ways, because these these forces, which, as I say, you can you can trace their roots back to, to national socialism. Uh, there does appear to be a, a satanic agenda uh, at work also. But nevertheless, as this instability grows and as more and more people start to ask questions, this could go in 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 multiple different directions now. Um, but certainly, I think I think we're on the cusp of some kind of paradigm shift. I agree with you. I, I was mentioning this is like a World War Two event, and now I'm going to uh, adjust that to we're in World War Three, a new yeah. bio warfare environment that the Nazis or Hitler couldn't have dreamt of, or or the kind of liberal kind of atlanticist types could have not dreamed of. Yeah, in my opinion, that's what it is. I, th I think this is World War Three. Now, of course, it looks nothing like World War Two in the way that World War Two looked nothing like World War One. There are different tactics, different strategies, different forms of, of weapon. The, the whole context is different as well, because this is essentially a, a war between the, the global ruling class and, and, and the rest of the, the global population. So it's extremely asymmetrical. We have the numbers on our side, but they uh, have the means of production on, on their side. They, they own all of the, 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 the media, the, 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 the banks, uh, the, the weaponry and, and, and everything else. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's this is why everything about the last couple of years has felt so thoroughly unpleasant and the processes involved have been so violent. And we must keep in mind, too, that excess mortality now in country after country around the world is running well above average. And I mean, it's it's not just the the injections, um, but for example, the the effects of lockdown as well and the kind of psychological stress that caused uh, people losing their their livelihoods and, and, and their incomes. Um, there, there are many different reasons, but however you choose to interpret it, the simple fact is that government policies all around the world have led to consistent, consistently high excess mortality. I mean, we're talking double digits now right. uh, consistently. So it is a very ugly picture and there is a, a eugenics component behind it all as well. I think there's a, a euthanasia angle when you look at, uh, for example, the, the Midaslam scandal in care homes uh, in the UK. The there are so many are here, the same kind of death protocols here in the States. I know people in my environment who I thought died of COVID. I was totally wrong. I was misinformed. Turns out I talked to their family. They got thrown in the hospital. Their family couldn't come in. They got vented and then they got remdesivir or something and gone. So that right. was very sinister. And yes, and one key aspect of all of this is the transnational dimension to it, because it seems to be the case that nothing that takes place in the UK is limited to the UK. In fact, it seems to be replicated in different forms pretty much in all countries. Um, so this shows a very high degree of coordination and planning and nefarious intent. And I think people are now starting to move beyond the phase of saying, oh, this, this, this all kind of happening 
by accident and governments make mistakes and and so on. No, no, no. Um, you can trace some of the planning back decades. I mean, if you look at the pandemic preparedness exercises going back to, to Operation Dark Winter in, in 2001, which even preceded 9-11, uh, again, the CIA has its fingerprints all over this through uh, people like Tara O'Toole and uh, Thomas Inglesby. The same names and characters keep cop cropping up throughout these uh, pandemic preparedness exercises. Yeah, and April Haynes was sitting at uh, 201 yeah, talking about, about mis and disinformation. So we're <laughs> going to say what's information, what's mis and dis. It's uh, very telling. Yes, and it does seem to... to uh, have a strong military dimension to it as well, because the the, the response to uh, that you find in these pandemic preparedness exercises never has its roots in epidemiology. Um, it always has its its roots in in military maneuvers. So the idea of keeping everybody apart, uh, for example, going back to to Robert Glass and that uh, study in in two thousand and five or two thousand and six, which then became the, the the basis for the social distancing and so on that we saw. Um, so. I think, in essence, when you think about it, what is a global pandemic? It's, it's it's kind of a global state of emergency in which the ordinary rule of law can be tossed aside. Um, any kind of democratic accountability and oversight can go out the window. And it's a, it's a pretext for global authoritarianism, uh, perhaps totalitarianism. And people were, critics were, were observing this Way back in 2005, when the, the WHO international health regulations came out, the, the, the potential for what has been called medical martial law has been evident for quite a long time. And I think we're really seeing that now. And when you look at something like the WHO pandemic treaty that they're trying to, to push through, all of a sudden, ideas about global government, global government, um, they, they don't well they, they, they seem to be eminently plausible it, it seems like they are pushing for this now and that it's all being done under a, a medical pretext and there are there are those of us who who see through it and and, and those who don't and, and this is what's making the situation so unbearable because you just wish more people would be able to to see this well i think that was an important component of this whole event this structured event pandemic or whatever it was to control the information and make sure that people couldn't come together and form. They keep them separate. That was all part of the great, I'm not going to MK ultra social engineering behavioral thing. And a lot of these guys, some of the big wigs here in the States were involved in a lot of that stuff. McKinsey top of the line business consultant, the best and the brightest. Uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, Cass Sunstein. Like these very brilliant people were enlisted to ensure the efficacy of the vaccine rollout and the whole mindscape, the mind share of people's minds. Very successfully, I think they implemented that uh, to make mm, it kind of and you, yeah. you can add you can add information warfare into the other kinds of warfare that I've added. Uh, I mean, Cass Sunstein, of course, was involved in in the post 9/11 context as, as well with attempts at what he called cognitive infiltration by, by state officials of, of, of truth groups. So it's no surprise to see him reappearing in a, in a similar context here, doing similar kinds of work, but just the, all the censorship everywhere, um, all the major platforms and, and payment processes, 
censoring any kind of uh, disagreement with the official line. I mean, it, it's so suspicious. It's it's so fishy, and and actually, it's so obvious, and it, it shows how weak their their narrative is that they they, they feel the need to resort to these kinds of measures. Um, yeah, and like and, you said, it's an abrogation of law. It's basically our First Amendments here in the states. You're not getting your First Amendment rights of free speech and not through these tech mm. things. And the government doesn't care if tech guys doing it. It's a techno fascist state here in the U.S. And like you've said, like they're going after the kids here because they just OK'd these shots for the kids to start. Yeah. The thing on January 1st. So the, the train is still on the track. Right. And in, in, that, in that regard, I, I would strongly urge your readers to read my article from February this year titled COVID-19 vaccines in inverted commas for children in the UK, a tale of establishment corruption, because what that does is it goes back from even before the rollout began and in 15,000 words, it very carefully and in a very detailed manner shows that there never was a scientific or a moral case for giving these things to children. It's, it's absolutely atrocious, in my opinion. I'd also like to just come back to what you mentioned about constitutionality, because the scale of what we're faced with here seems to be that they are actually trying to tear up completely the social contract as it has existed for centuries. And that this is why we're seeing attacks on, uh, as you say, just um, some of the fundamentals of the US Constitution. Uh, and we're also seeing it in this country, and there was a, a court case in Ireland, for example, where Gemma Doherty and John Waters uh, made it all the way to the Supreme Court with the case that the lockdowns were unconstitutional. And unfortunately, they lost that case uh, six to one, which is a, a an indication that um, the Irish legal system is saying, actually, it is constitutional to lock people down. Uh, to, to restrict their travel, to, to to take away their rights, to put them in masks, etc. So this is the, the the scale of the of of the destruction is is vast, and it exists in 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 legal terms as well. So I think anyone who is placing their hope uh, in the law to to come and save us needs to understand all of that as well. That's that's also under attack. No doubt. I mean, here in the states, they had a lower court judge in New York say the, the vaccine mandates were unconstitutional and then they overturned it from the Supreme Court. So mm. you get these, uh, it's really incredible and it's a, it's a clear uh, abrogation of civil liberties that people can't make a choice and they put all the screws on people. You're doing it for grandma, you need to do it for your job. I mean people here are one, I mean I don't know what it's like in the UK but they did a study here and like people have to work to survive. They cannot endure a $500 random charge. If their car yes. engine explodes or they have to get extra medicine, they can't do it. So mm. they had everybody coerced into doing it. It really was forced. If you go after people's jobs and livelihood, you're forcing yeah. them to take this, and that's very telling. That's I think right. there's some very angry people here in the States. I think a lot of people's mm. families are people have died and parents have died, and mm. uh, it's, it's a disaster. Indeed, and it, it makes you wonder whether or not even that might be <laughs> deliberate or, or, or planned for, um, because there is going to be a huge amount of, uh, of social unrest coming. Are they going to try and use that as, as the pretext for introducing some kind of martial law? I don't know. 
um, but but clearly these tensions cannot continue to keep um, mounting as they are without some kind of uh, social explosion uh, in the next few years. I agree. Uh, Dave, we are at the 45 minute mark. Great discussion. Thanks so much for sharing all your knowledge and, and uh, really fascinating paper. I recommend people, I'll put in the show notes for people to go to this paper so they can see the evidence, they can see the pictures. It's easier to understand them from just audio. Uh, I know that this is part one. Can you, do you have part two uh, coming out soon or what's what's on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, part two and hopefully part three as well. I mean, it'll all be subject to, to passing peer review. Um, but if it does, then those will be out in 2023. Um, I have another piece um, that should hopefully be coming out next week um, with the title. Uh, it's a co-authored piece uh, with the title uh, COVID-19 Mass Formation or Mass Atrocity. So that's something uh, for uh, your listeners to, 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 to keep an eye out for. Um, otherwise, I'm I'm not on social media <laughs> by, by design. <laughs> Um, and uh, the best place to follow my work is on uh, academia.edu uh, forward slash David Hughes. And I'll put that in the show notes so people can just click through and your email may be on there if you want. Uh, if people want to reach out to you. But great guest. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And people go check out this article. Again, it's titled What is in the so-called COVID-19 Vaccines Part 1? Evidence of a Global Crime Against Humanity, and it's David A. Hughes, PhD. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Take care. Stay there.